Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. It's good to be here and consider the things of God. The message I have this morning is entitled, The Amazing Providence of God. It's going to be a study from an Old Testament story, the story of the Shunammite woman. So perhaps this message applies particularly to the sisters, although some of the principles are certainly applicable to everyone, uh, especially as they relate to faith and confidence in God. The amazing providence of God. Do you believe in God's providence? You would probably all say, yes, I believe in God's providence. God does provide for his own. He provides um, in a timely way the things that we need. However, in our experience, sometimes it seems like we didn't receive in a timely way what we wished we would have, or we may struggle with why this or that happened to us, and we may question the providence of God. Maybe we think we haven't done enough to deserve uh, some amazing providence of God. When we think about it being amazing, we have to remember that's from our perspective because if we think of God's providence, uh, there's little that would be amazing when we consider God's character. He is able to do all of that, that to us is amazing. But there are times when God's providence comes uh, evident in a special way that we call amazing. And thus it is, especially in this story of the Shunammite woman. How long has it been since God did something amazing for you? It's been a week, a month, maybe 10 years. In this story of the Shunammite woman, there are at least four specific things that God did for her, but they cover a span of quite a few years. Could be close to 20 years, I'm not sure the exact length, doesn't really say specifically, but it certainly covered a span of years. Four things, let's say our best guesstimate that it was 20 years, that would uh, average to once every five years. Now, in reality, God was caring for this woman all the while, not just in the four specific events. I'm simply pointing that out that we sometimes get faint or weary in 
in thinking of God's providence when we don't see it on a immediate basis. You know, when time goes by, we, we may forget. But God doesn't forget. He is one who does not sleep or slumber, and we can trust his providence. One of the burdens of my message is that we have faith in God on a consistent basis. You know, it's God's concern that we have faith, faith to believe. And it's, um, I think, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but it's pretty easy to get weak in our faith as time goes on and we have difficulties and we have troubles and we have uh, things that we wish were different. We pray for uh, situations and we wait long for an answer. And in those times, it's, it's too easy to get weak in our faith. Jesus asks the question, when he cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And so, the exhortation oftentimes, if we put together uh, the collection of things that we're instructed, it urges us to have faith, even when it seems like hope is gone. It encourages us to have patience in our faith. And it encourages us to not get weary even though the time is long. All those things are there, but today we'd like to just draw some examples from the story of the Shunammite woman, and maybe draw a few illustrations as we go. The story is found in Second Kings, uh, intertwined with the account of Elisha. Elisha was the prophet who followed after Elijah, you know, the exploits that Elijah did. And Elisha was anointed uh, by Elijah to follow in his steps. And he, Elisha, asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And it seemed like God granted that. And the exploits that Elisha did are numerous. This particular account we want to focus on is a woman from the town of Shunem. The scripture does not give her name other than just calling her the woman from Shunem or a few times referred to as this Shunemite woman. Now, I don't know if that differs a lot from our culture, but it would not seem very flattering for all of you sisters to be called that woman from Wellman. You know, the Wellmanite woman. Well, so no great honor here in even giving her name. Interestingly, as I studied, it also does not speak of her having any great faith, particularly, although 
it is evidenced by some of the things she did, but it, it doesn't say necessarily that she had some outstanding or extraordinary faith. In fact, several of the divine providence that God brought her way seemed to be without necessarily any special doing on her part. But there were a few things that she did that I think are outstanding. The story begins with just the fact that Elisha passed through the city of Shunem and while he was passing through or maybe stopped there briefly or however it was, this woman, it does call her a great woman. I don't know why. It doesn't explain why it called her that. But she urged Elisha to stop and receive some food. She wanted to feed him something. And so she was hospitable. That was the first remarkable thing that I think she did. She served Elisha just as he was traveling through. She urged him to stop. And then it says that subsequently to that, when Elisha would travel through that city, he often stopped to eat at her house. Now she had a husband. Uh, his name also is not given. But he apparently was an active figure in the household there. So Elisha's visits were frequent. Then it says that this woman spoke to her husband and she said that she perceives that this is truly a man of God and that they should do something for him and what they should do, she thought, would be to provide him some quarters for him to lodge in when he comes to visit. So she and her husband prepared a room for Elisha and in it they put a bed, I think it was, and a desk and a chair and a candlestick. And so as Elisha traveled back and forth, whenever he came through here, he would stop there and now he lodged in the special room they had provided for him. Now again, this is, speaks of hospitality. And perhaps you think, well, building special quarters for somebody requires a lot of money. So maybe they were well-to-do. I don't know. But what I think is, is evident and, and of note is two things. One, she was hospitable. She did what she could. Secondly, she recognized that this was a man of God. And if we try to put it in today's context, I would say uh, there's those two things. Hospitality, which is often encouraged in the New Testament, is actually one of the things lifted up as important. And secondly, in her recognizing this as a man of God, I would say just a woman to recognize the work of God or being involved in the kingdom of God. 
doing what you can to forward the work of the kingdom. That is commendable. And I think this Shunammite woman did exactly that. She served the prophet because she recognized him as a man of God. And when I think of some New Testament examples, Paul commended a sister that was a servant to the church at Sencrea and encouraged her to be received by the other saints. He talked about the house of Stephanus that had addicted themselves to the, to the uh, what was it, to the work of the, the edifying ministry to the saints, I believe it was. So, from this Old Testament example, we have that uh, illustrated well, that this lady was doing what she could for the work of the kingdom, as it, uh, as it was there in the Old Testament. So thus far, we don't have any necessary, any um, of the providence of God evident, but it soon followed because as Elisha was here frequently, he felt like he ought to do something for this woman. So he called her in one day and we have another person involved here was Gehazi. Gehazi was Elisha's servant, apparently often traveled with him, and just was his personal helper. Well, Gehazi, in this case, was also involved in this conversation. He, he called for this woman, she came, and it seems like Elisha was interacting some with Gehazi because he, he asked her, I'm sorry, he asked, Gehazi to say this to the woman and so on. But he asked what he should do for her. Should he speak to the king for her or do some other uh, good deed? And, and then Gehazi said, this woman does not have a son and her husband is old. And that would be a great desire of hers. He was, it was implied there. And so Elisha said, okay, according to the time of life, you're going to have a son. And her response is rather interesting. She says, now, don't lie to me. I'm, I'm putting it in my own words, but she, she basically said, don't, uh, don't deceive me. Don't, don't lie to me. It doesn't really explain what all that meant, but it seems like what was implied is she was questioning whether this would be possible or, or while it was an earnest desire on her part, it seemed like just completely out of the realm of possibility because it says her husband was old and she had probably given up all hope. But it came to pass that in time she had a son. So there was what I count as the first uh, event in her life that I would call here the providence of God. We could even call it a miracle. Uh, a little bit akin, it seemed like, to that 
of Abraham and, and Sarah. And I thought an interesting parallel is that when the promise came for the son to Sarah, she laughed. Well, this lady, she told Elisha, don't, don't lie to me. But it came to pass, she had a son. And so, time went on. The son grew up. And meanwhile, other things happened in the kingdom as well. But the story comes back to this lady. After her son was grown, it says he was grown, and later it still calls him a lad. So we don't know exactly the length of time. But he was a young man at least, went out to his father in the field, and apparently suffered from a heat stroke or something. It seemed like he was overcome and his head was paining him. They took the son, quickly carried him into his mother, but there he died. While she was holding him, he died because of the apparent heat stroke or whatever it was. So she laid him in the chamber where Elisha would usually lodge, and quickly went to go see and find Elisha. Now, <clears throat> apparently he was some distance off, and she took a servant with her, and they traveled hastily there to find Elisha. When she was coming, Elisha saw her and concluded that something had gone wrong. But he said the Lord had hid it from him. And so he inquired, and initially she said that everything was fine with her, her son, and her husband, and everything, but, but then Elisha instructed Gehazi, his servant, to run to this location where her house was and to lay, this, lay his staff upon this son. And so Gehazi did that. He took off and ran. Meanwhile, Elisha spoke with the woman, and she again asked him, Did I not ask you not to deceive me? This son is, has died. And so Elisha said, Well, don't worry. We're, we're coming. So they went. Meanwhile, Gehazi had arrived there, laid the staff upon the son, but no response, absolutely none. And he came back and reported to Elisha that the child is dead. Well, Elisha went in and laid upon the child and prayed, and and then he then he got got up and went out, walked around a bit, and then he came back in and stretched himself upon the child again, and the life came back into the child, and he was raised back to life again, and he was restored to his mother. That was a true miracle, where he was raised back to life and restored to his mother. That I would count as the second providence of God in the, out of the four that we find in the scriptures. The thing I would note there is that she, 
In her time of distress and extremity, she went to reach out to the man of God, thinking that he might be able to do something for her. He was connected with the first promise and the, and the, uh, the birth of this child, and again she saw the work of the man of God, and, and God actually used him to bring this child back to life. Well then, in the scripture, the account moves on to other events and other uh, circumstances with Elisha. We have the account of the Samaritan army, or the, no, the Syrian army that came in against Samaria and surrounded the city. We have them getting up in the morning and Elisha's servant, which was Gehazi, looked out and saw this whole encampment round about the city and and he came back to his master and said, Alas, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, Well, there's more with us than be with them. And he prayed that, that his servant's eyes would be opened, and they were. And he saw the, the mountains round about the city filled with the chariots of God. And God brought an amazing deliverance there. You also have the account of Naaman who came with his leprosy and... You have him not being very happy with the instructions he got from Elisha about dipping in the Jordan River, but he consented then or relented after his servants appealed to him, and he went and, and he was cleansed of his leprosy. He came back to Elisha and thanked him and offered him food and, or I'm sorry, clothing and money, I believe it was, which Elisha refused. But he left then, and Gehazi, desiring to have those things, went after and, and appealed to him, lied to him, and actually got some of the, food, the clothing and the money. And then he came back and told Elisha that, no, I didn't go anywhere, when Elisha asked him. And, and so we find that the leprosy of Naaman passed on to Gehazi. We have the story of the uh, men who were making the, uh, what was it, a school for the prophets and were cutting down timber and the man had borrowed an axe and the axe head flew off and into the water and, and he was uh, rather distressed and so Elisha came and threw in a stick and the axe head came to the surface and they were able to recover it. So those are some of the things that took place then. And then again, we come back to this woman. <clears throat> it simply says that Elisha came to the woman and said that there is going to be a seven-year famine in the land. Get out of this country and find a place where you can live during this famine, because God has said this famine is coming. And so she packed up her household and went into the land of the Philistines, and there she lived for seven years. Now, 
I would call that the third providence of God that's evident in her life. And in this one, there's no, uh, there's no evidence of her having done any great thing. It was just that she had favor from the Lord, I believe, that Elisha came to her and told her that this famine is coming. And the question came to me, so wouldn't there have been many other people who would have benefited from having a warning and maybe flee to another country where they could be sustained during a time of famine? And uh, I'm not sure. In, in, the, in the prior uh, chapters, it does give the account when that the Syrian army came and surrounded Samaria and had them uh, in such distress because they had cut off their food supplies and everything that there was a severe famine in um, in the city to the point of even cannibalism. It was so terrible that the people were dying from the famine. And the king was very distressed with Elisha and was determined to cut off his head because he was blaming Elisha for this. And, and then you have the account of how the four lepers that were outside the city gates decided to go to the camp of the Syrians and fall out to them rather than just perish from hunger. And when they went to the camp, they found it abandoned. The Syrian army had fled. And so they eventually, after having eaten a bunch, they went into the city and told the people. And the people came out of the city and found that even as they had said that the army had fled, the siege was lifted. And the next day, there was a tremendous amount of food available. But the... Um, the man who had disbelieved that report from Elisha was also trampled to death, and you possibly know some of those stories. Now, I'm not sure if this seven-year famine that Elisha was speaking of here had any relation to this uh, famine. That would have particularly been, I believe, in the city of uh, Samaria, but whereas this woman was from Shunem. But in any case... She went to the land of Canaan, or I'm sorry, the land of the Philistines for seven years. Then it says at the end of those seven years she came back, but now she had a problem because she had no house or land or sustenance uh, after having moved back from these seven years' absence. So she determined to go to the king and make an appeal for some help for her land uh, so that she might have a place to live. Now we'll pause the story there and shift now to the house of the king. The king on this particular day was speaking with Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. And the king says to Gehazi, tell me some of the great things that your master did. And so Gehazi begins to tell him. 
some of the things that Elisha did. And he comes to the part where he was describing to the king how this uh, how Elisha had raised a body back to life. And apparently was gave him the details how this um, how this happened, that Elisha raised a body back to life. And while he was telling the king this story, there was an interruption. This woman was crying to the king for some help. And so she made her appeal to the king, however that was, and Gehazi recognized this woman. Now here's where the two stories come together. She had been in the land of the Philistines for seven years, comes back, cries to the king. Meanwhile, the king in his house is talking with Gehazi and asking him to tell him the stories of Elisha. And so Gehazi is telling him about this raising back to life. So here's this woman coming to appeal to the king, and Gehazi recognizes her. And he says, O oh, king, this is the woman that I was telling you about, and her son. And so the king asked her, Is that so? And she said, Yes, I'm, I'm the woman. I'm the one who this story was about. And so the king... Uh, listened to her request and he appointed a man to her case and instructed this man to restore her land back to her and also add to it the increase or the, uh, the crops that all this land would have had for the years that she was absent. So she got her land back and seven years worth of produce from the land. And I call that the fourth amazing providence of God for this Shunammite woman. And what struck me was just the the timing here. This woman is gone for seven years and comes back and goes to the king to make her appeal, and what does she find the king doing? He's asking Gehazi for some stories from the great things that Elisha did, and he's telling him this very story, and here she comes into the king. Now, was that just a coincidence, or was that the amazing providence of God? And I think we know from the story it was God's providence in caring for this woman that this very issue was under discussion when she came to make her appeal to the king. Now, you say, wow, I, I wish God would, you know, see after my needs like that. Well, is God any different today? I don't think so. He's the same God. He cares for us. And as I mentioned at the beginning, these, what I call these four providences of God in caring for this Shunammite woman, 
would have covered a span of perhaps upwards to 20 years, more or less. Not really clear exactly how long it was between some of these events. But it struck me that while we can look back one year, five, or ten years, and we think of a specific time when God did something amazing for us. But what about all the other things we experienced in the meantime? And what about our other life experiences where we struggle with thinking, is, well, is God going to take care of this one and this case in my life? Well, if we think of this lady, she also had those things. It would seem from the account, it was clear that her husband was living up until the time of this uh, child being raised back to life again. He had gone out into the field where his father was, the story tells us. So his father apparently was still living at that time. But that's the last we read about his father when Elisha came to this woman and told her about the famine that's to come. He said, you know, take your household and go. She took her household. But when she came back and came to make this appeal to the king, it seems like it was only her and her son. So I don't think it's a stretch to assume that the fact that she had to deal with these matters was evidence that perhaps her husband no longer lived and she was... Uh, needing uh, to have these provisions for her and her son. All that to say, if it was true that her husband had died at that point, we realize that these were distressing things in her life too. You know, her husband passed away, she's left to care for her family and so on. And so not everything in her life went God has done for us in the providence of God because it gives us courage and hope and renewed faith in God's amazing providence. Well, I think I'll conclude with that. May God give us that faith to uh, lay hold of the promise.